Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Night Shift Podcast for week number 11. For all those people out there clocking those late night DFS hours with the Sunday night football and Monday night football DFS slates, I'm your host, Chris Raybon, joined, as always, by one of the top fantasy rankers in the game, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's up? Can't complain. Uh, you know, nice... 75 degree day here in LA while uh, we're going to watch a game at Lambeau Field tonight that's 50 degrees colder so uh, definitely can't complain yeah can't complain at all we're going to watch <laughs> another one uh, later this week in Detroit that was supposed to be in Buffalo uh, and we're getting bummer. robbed of our snow game so yeah I have to uh, boost all the projections to you know <laughs> Tuesday I was talking about how I had Josh Allen at like 235 240 passing yards gonna have to bump that up to 270 280 now yeah, I mean, go Gabe Davis. You were you were ahead of the curve, two ahead, as it, <laughs> two ahead. As it turns out. You just created extra work for yourself. <sighs> yeah. All right, uh, let's uh, let's jump into these uh, these two slates though. Uh, we have the let's start off with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs are six point favorites on the road. In this one, the total is around 51, so pretty high here. And we know the freaks come out at night, so who do you like to have a freak performance in the captain spot for this matchup? Uh, I like Justin Herbert to have a freak performance here. Uh, He could be getting back his top two wide receivers here in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, even if they are limited, that's going to be massive for him. Uh, well, we have to monitor Gerald Everett, too. He's also on the injury report. But either way, I think he's going to have more weapons at his disposal this week than he has the previous few weeks. Um, plus, this is a matchup where, you know, the Chargers will probably have a pass-heavy game script. Chiefs ranked 22nd in DVOA against the pass. And they've allowed 
two or more passing touchdowns to every quarterback they faced this season other than Malik Willis, which uh, makes sense. Uh, but, you know, it's not so much their defense is bad. It's teams have to keep throwing and try to keep up with this offense. So in a potential shootout, uh, I think this is the time to to reinvest in Justin Herbert. Yeah, he could get that full complement of weapons back. Have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of conflicting reports about, you know, how how ready to go are these guys. Like, I mean, Keenan Allen said he wouldn't play unless he's ready to go. Uh, so you would think he'd be in a good spot. But, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it'll be a good good sign for Herbert if he gets all mm-hmm. those those guys back. Uh, for me, I'll go with Austin Eckler to have a freak performance. I think maybe if everyone comes back, people will be mm-hmm. a little bit off Eckler. But Kansas City is allowing the most – receptions per game in the league to running backs at 7.4 and the most receiving yards per game to running backs at 52.6. Eckler also had a nine catch game in that first meeting in week number two. And he's averaging 19 touches for 96 scrimmage yards on the season with over a touchdown per game. So I still think he'll be heavily involved either way. And I'm hoping that, you know, maybe getting some of these guys back kind of splits up some of that roster ship among all the different charger players, instead of it being super concentrated on Eckler. So I'll go with Eckler. Yeah, that's, that's a good call. He obviously has one of the biggest ceilings um, on this slate. Plus with all the pass catchers being questionable, hmm. you know, if they're all limited, it's going to force Eckler to step up for sure. All right. Who do you like for dart throws in this one? Do you like darts? Oh, okay. I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Uh, I don't know if I can consider uh, Josh Palmer a dart throw, but, you know, with everybody potentially coming back, maybe he falls under the radar a bit. Um, But even if Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Gerald Everett all suit up, um, it looks like DeAndre Carter's also questionable too. Um, You know, Palmer's still going to play a ton of snaps. Like, these guys won't be able to return to a full workload. Um, So, you know, Palmer's still going to be a key piece in this offense. So his roster ship could take a dip here, but uh, I like the – idea of just sticking with them um, a little bit more under the radar, I guess would be Trey McKitty, especially if Gerald Everett ends up suiting up, um, you know, Everett's dealing with a groin injury. There's a chance he could be limited or even have an in-game setback. So uh, with Donald Parham also on IR, it's clear that McKitty would see most of the playing time. Um, if ever is limited uh, last week, whenever got knocked out of the game, you know, uh, McKitty saw six targets, got three of them for 21 yards. So he's a sneaky play here. Um, and then on the Chiefs side, I guess Kadarius Tony is a little bit too obvious here, but uh, they also have some question marks at wide receiver. Juju, MVS, and Michael Hardman are all questionable. Um, so if just one or all three of those guys am getting rolled out, um, you know, that's only going to raise Tony's projections. We are, we've already seen a glimpse of his upside in this offense last week. So I like him. And then, again, a little bit more under the radar, their backup tight end, Noah Gray, um, you know, with the Chiefs having so many wide receivers banged up here, they could, you know, lean on more two tight end sets here. Noah Gray has played nicely uh, with, you know, the two big games the past couple of games. Uh, both games would have been very useful on a showdown slate. So um, I think he's sneaky and a great, you know, showdown type of play. Yeah, I think Juju, I doubt, will play. Yeah. Uh, you know, just because he took that hit. And Hardman is a, probably leaning in the direction of no as well with the with the abdomen injury. I think MVS was just an illness, so I would expect him to suit up with uh, kind of a mm-hmm. platoon of those, those other backup guys, uh, but we will see, obviously, monitor that. Uh, I will go with 
a little bit under the radar contrarian here. Quiet Edwards, you wear, you know, no touches in the last game. Everyone's kind of going with the narrative that, you know, he's been phased out. Andy Reid's had an answer for it all week, but he said, you know, look, we, we trying to get Pacheco more work in the, the series that we did have Edwards, you wear in there. We got a couple of three and outs. And so I, I think there's still a chance for Edwards, you wear to kind of pop back up and get a few touches here and there. And if we know one thing, it's that you can't rely on Chiefs backfield usage from week to week. You know, guys will kind of inexplicably pop up for big games when you least expect it. So uh, I, I like to I like to buy low on him when his value is essentially in the gutter and nobody's going to trust him. And remember, this Charger defense still bottom five in DVOA uh, against the run and on passes to running backs. Edwards Ware, seventy four yards and eight carries in the first meeting and also four for 44 receiving. So he had over 100 scrimmage yards on, on just over 10 touches, not even a ton of touches in the first meeting. So I think he could be efficient here. You never know when he's going to pop up around the end zone. So uh, I think everyone will kind of be uh, like looking for Pacheco and McKinnon. Uh, and, I, and I'll go with, uh, with CEH. Also, uh, Isaiah Spiller on the other side, rookie, Running back looks like he's taking over that backfield role. You know, that's something again, you can't really rely on the usage in that backfield either. But Spiller, I think, is starting to trend up. He in the last two weeks has outsnapped Sony Michelle 23 19, but out touched him 11 to 2. And Eckler, if he does, you know, get tripped up, it, it would be around the goal line. Only 58% of the running back carries inside the 10 yard line have gone Eckler this year. The other 42% have been split with Joshua Kelly, who was the backup at one point uh, and Sony Michelle. So those could easily go to Spiller now who doesn't have one yet, but uh, could see him pop up for, for one of those. And I'll also mention Justin Watson on the chiefs. If, if, if two mm. of the receivers are ruled out, especially I think Watson really comes into play. He actually led the, the, the team outside of MVS in routes last week, it wasn't Tony. And this Charger D has played a good amount of man coverage, and Watson's averaging over two yards per route against man, uh, the best on the team. So uh, Watson could pop up big in this spot. Everyone's kind of looking for Tony and, and Sky Moore, but Sky Moore's playing time was the one guy who really yeah. didn't change. So I think Watson would see a boost. And he had a good game in the first meeting. Uh, as well, but I think he would see a, a kind of under the radar boost in playing time if uh, if guys miss. Even if one guy misses, really, uh, I, I think you could see it with Watson. But uh, particularly if two miss, I think he could. There's a chance he could be an every down player. Yeah, I was about to say that this this would be the first time you don't at least mention Sky Moore and watch him go off. But mm-hmm. you, you mentioned him, so that's good. But yeah, uh, Tony is obviously the sexy play, but. Justin Watson, great under the radar play. And I love the Clyde Edwards Hilaire call. I mean, how many touches do you have him for here? I have him like four or five, but yeah, um, yeah, just a handful. You know, he's still he's like barely in in the top 50 running backs ranking wise, but you know, it's a perfect DFS kind of play. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Is his medium projections obviously low. We know that, but there's just a wide range of outcomes of this backfield. And Jarek McKinnon is also banged up. Uh yeah. he's dealing with a couple injuries. So um, you know, Edward Solaire could certainly have a bounce back game here. They did have one snap near the goal line. Um, he didn't get a touch, but Clyde Edward Solaire was in mm-hmm. um, on the goal line play. So it seems like he's still going to be the goal line back. Pache- that's not really Pacheco's thing. Um, so I, I do think he's going to be very low rostered and can easily have a bounce back spot here. 
Yeah, I don't mean I don't think they have a traditional goal line back in the sense of the way. I think they're just kind of trying to rotate their, their running backs in. And obviously, you know, they wanted to give Pacheco more. We talked about Pacheco all offseason, so I'm glad that <laughs> yeah. it's coming to fruition. But you know, you gotta kind of take it, take take what you're given on these slates. And uh yeah, go go with the uh the guy who will probably Yeah, they're their goal line their goal line backs are Burton, yeah. Noah Gray, and Jody Fortson, right? Yeah, just yeah, they're, they're, and uh uh, and Kelsey, Kelsey will go, well, go yeah, under. Yeah, yeah, Kelsey's everything. But yeah, yeah. he'll go under. Now nah, he'll go. I'll take the Durham Smythe, the Durham Smythe sneak too. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's move to the Monday. Do you like either fullback in that game? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I almost forgot. Got a let's couple decent yeah. ones at least. Come on. Long pass to the fullback. Got a nice block from the fullback. How many tackles can one man break? We're doing our best to, to keep the fullback position alive and thriving. Make fullbacks great again. So we got Burton and our boy Xander Horvath, who was it this game where he got the touchdown last? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, the... yeah that was uh, week two. Yep. One catch for one yard with one touchdown. He hasn't done, you know, jack shit since then. Uh, he had a one carry last week. But again, uh, this this should be a higher scoring game. So the the, the odds of him getting a vulture touchdown certainly go up here yeah i think and and burton has been the short yardage back at, at points as you mentioned for yeah. the chiefs so i think both of them are in play i would i would wean burton only because i think they'll be on high alert for horvath after he got the you know little play action dump off one yard touchdown they saw <laughs> that on film that's probably not something you use again uh in the second meeting you get a little more creative there so I think the Chiefs are on higher yeah. alert now to use their fullback uh, this this time around. Uh, and what about the luck rankings for this one? Yeah, so the uh, I'm, the Chiefs are the sixth luckiest team, and uh, the Chargers are twelfth. Uh, so not not really a big enough discrepancy to factor that in in any way. So it should be a pretty straight up game in terms of luck. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, rushing yards in football or number of points in basketball. Then choose the amount of money that you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sweeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group's picks with the tap of a button along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match 
on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, let's jump to the Monday night matchup. We got the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals in Mexico City. And the Niners are eight-point favorites, a total around 43 and a half. And it looks like we may get another week of Colt McCoy. Um, here, if here he's in, healthy enough, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> he's well, also banged up. Exactly. But <laughs> uh, yeah, as we record this, it's nothing's official yet. But uh, hearing that they may play it conservative with Kyler Murray, uh, and it's quickly shaping up to be a a lost season for the for the Cardinals. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this one for the captain spot? Oh, I have to go with Rondell Moore here. Um, you know, he's caught. Six or more balls in five of the last six games. And, you know, with Zach Ertz now out for the season, um, he has an even higher floor ceiling combo here. Although it does look like Hollywood Brown um, is nearing return. I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, but at least for this week, you know, Moore's target share is going to be massive. Um, and the fact that he was able to post, you know, a nine catch, 94 yard game with Colt McCoy under center means he's quarterback proof. So it won't matter too much. Um, whether it's Kyler or McCoy under center for him or, you know, DeAndre Hopkins for that matter. Um, so this this should be a pass-heavy game script for them. You know, they're eight, eight-and-a-half-point underdogs right now. So, um, plus, he hasn't seen a rushing attempt in the past two games. Uh, that's got to change. Could see him easily getting two to three rush attempts here as well. Um, so he just has a lot of paths to, you know, sort of breaking this late in the captain slot. And I think he will be sort of under the radar here. Um, there's a lot of good options in this game, but Ronald Moore, especially in a full PPR format, um, is definitely my favorite captain play here. Oh, I like that a little bit, a uh, little bit off the map. Yep. with Rondale, been a little too chalky lately. Had to had to dig <laughs> a little bit deeper. And you know what's interesting about that Cardinal passing game, which just adds more kind of drama to the situation and makes me want to tune into in season hard knocks and see what's <laughs> going on there is. It, it felt to me like Cliff Kingsbury felt like he could run his offense more with mm. Colt McCoy. Like they barely yeah. called any run plays until the latter part of that game against the Rams. And they could have easily come out conservative, you know, two backup quarterbacks and just, you know, run, try to stay in the game. But they had McCoy in the shotgun and just throwing <laughs> it all around the yard. They uh, James Conner pass blocked. Like hit like his life. He had the pass blocking game of his life. Like James <laughs> Conner was just stonewalling dudes, you know, in the hole, snap after snap. I think he only ran a route like half of his snaps, spent the other half blocking, and they just threw it. So if we see McCoy again, you know, again, he is uh questionable as well. But uh yeah, it could absolutely be a pass heavy game script because it was a pass heavy game script against the Rams. <laughs> Yeah, I had the uh, I I talked about this with you before. Convinced me the uh, DeAndre Hopkins under seventy five and a half yards. Um, that was unwatchable because, like you said, just <laughs> right out of the gate, it was like a Mike Leach, Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech offense, just ninety nine percent pass attempts off the rip. So yeah, you made a good point. Like this offense looked a lot more like you know what Cliff Kingsbury would want. Uh, with, you know, Colt McCoy under center. So that was definitely interesting to see. And why a lot of these guys, like Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, like it probably doesn't matter uh, if McCoy's under center. It might actually be better. Yeah, that's what I mean, because you're just kind of taking away a bunch of scrambles and things like that and yeah. uh, and whatnot. So, and yeah, 
probable negative game script as well. Uh, I'll go. I have I have two here. One is the obvious play. That's Christian McCaffrey. You know, got to always mention him. And this Arizona defense allowed at least one touchdown to a running back in each of the past three games with multiple touchdowns in two of the past three to running back. So I think that McCaffrey has, as usual, another high ceiling game due to the matchup. Arizona's below average uh, in weighted DVOA against the run and their bottom three on passes to running back. So McCaffrey's got very similar numbers to Eckler this season uh, in his three games with the Niners. 18 touches per game, 96 scrimmage yards per game, and 1.3 all-purpose touchdowns per game as a Niner. So I know Mitchell's mixing in there, but I still think McCaffrey uh, has a huge ceiling. And then for a more contrarian captain play, I think it should be a George Kittle game too uh, in this one. So Kittle ha- just has the – this is the best matchup for tight ends. And Kittle played 90 uh, – was in the was in a route on 93% of the dropbacks in the last game coming off the bye – the Arizona defense 31st in DVOA against tight ends. This is the this these are the total number uh, of catches and yards that Arizona allowed to tight ends, starting with the most recent. And remember, Kittle's pretty much getting all of those routes. So uh last game was nine catches for 84. The game before that, 10 for 128. The game before that, five for 29 and a touchdown, six for 35 and three touchdowns, nine for 68, eight for 95. Four for 40, but that was against the Panthers, and they still had nine targets. <laughs> Five for 89, 980 and one, 10, 132, and two. If this is not a George <laughs> Kittle game, I don't know what is. So, uh, gotta go with some Kittle in, in a captain spot as well. Yeah, Tommy Tremble going three catches for 34 yards <laughs> is like the equivalent of Kittle going nine for 150. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And remember, I feel like as, you know, playing fantasy as long as we have, isn't every few years that the Cardinals just have the league's worst defense against <laughs> tight ends? It feels like we're going waves with this thing. Like it's like new iterations of the Cardinal defense with completely different players, and it's just the worst defense against tight ends. Yeah, I wasn't that how it happened. TJ Hawkinson's NFL debut was against yep. the Cardinals. Yep. Uh one of the worst defensive seasons against tight ends ever. And he just went off for three, three touchdowns first game, no problem. But yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, that They're just a tight end funnel defense. And you would think that, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk would be the odd man out every once in a while, you know, but it's been Debo and George Kittle for some reason. Ayuk is this offense. Uh, so I wonder if the Cardinals adjust and yeah, like you said, just Kittle has a big game here. So I love that call and the captain spot, you know, coming off a, a dud like last week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's an adjustment for the Cardinals. This is just kind of what they are. Uh, this current iteration of their defense, they're just uh, really good at funneling the ball away from yep. wide receivers. They're number, they're top three in DVOA against number one wide receivers and number two wide receivers. And then, you know, a lot is allowed to, you know, the other wide receivers yep. in the middle of the field, tight ends, running backs. Running backs, uh, yep. So, you know, that's just kind of – like, it makes sense as a defense because wide receiver – statistically speaking, wide receiver production is going to be the most damaging to, to mm-hmm. your defense. So if you can kind of funnel the yep. ball away, uh, it, it does you know work in your favor in theory. So uh, who do you like for dark throws? Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Uh, so on the 49ers side, I don't know if the, he counts right now, but Elijah Mitchell, um, you know, I thought he'd get eased back in, you know, since he's been out since week one. And, 
you know, especially considering they have Christian McCaffrey at their disposal now. Instead, he had four more rush attempts than McCaffrey last week, 18 to 14. But as you pointed out, he's just really good. And he's a good fit for this scheme. So they're going to keep using him, whether CMC managers like that or not. So, um, you know, with the 49ers being big favorites in Mexico City, um, this is another spot where we could see Mitchell get 15 or more touches. Uh, Plus, you know, Mexico City is what, like 8,000 feet above sea level? Um, These players are going to get gas. So they might not be able to use McCaffrey, um, you know, every day out. I think that's going to have Mitchell factor in even more, uh, both backup running backs, actually. So I think the elevation could be a reason to kind of like target these backups, which is why, you know, one of my favorite dart throws on the slate is Keontae Ingram on the Cardinals side, because, you know, the Cardinals released Eno Benjamin. You and I were both uh, celebrating that because, um, you know, that, that means Ingram is now the clear backup to James Conner. He was my dart throw on that uh, Cardinal Saints Thursday night football call, game yeah. just about a month ago. And he, uh, he almost had, he had a good game. He almost had a huge game. They had that uh, touchdown called back. They pushed yep. it back to the one, I think. Uh, but he, you know, he's a six round rookie out of USC. I was actually shocked. He went that far in the draft. He gives me, you know, a cream hunt type of vibe. So in a game where it could get ugly and, you know, the Cardinals could be down big in the fourth quarter, he could get all of them up, up duty, get a bunch of dump off passes by then. So, you know, he, he's still under the radar right now, but I think after this game, it, it could change. Yeah. I love that call on Keontae Ingram. Cause I went back and looked at it and James Conner, first of all, played 96% of the snaps last week, which is partly why Benjamin got released. He was not happy with his role, but I, I look back and apparently Connor only does this against the Rams. He had a game last year against the Rams where he played 96% of the snaps. He has not played more than 82% of the snaps uh, more than once outside of that. So his median this season is 66%. Last season was 49%. So there's a very good chance that in this matchup and in all the others, we see Ingram a lot more involved than he was in that last game where Connor pretty much didn't come off the field. And, you know, you made a really good point about the elevation as well. So I think that could factor in. But uh, really, it's just it was an outlier for James Connor to, to be getting that much work uh, out of the backfield. So uh, love that Ingram call for there's a, just a variety of different ways I think that he could uh, come into playing time. And I also mentioned Jawan Jennings. Uh, he, he I've mentioned him last week and he kind of came alive, had a, a good stretch of uh, catches there. I think he ended up with four catches on the day, but uh, like him again, had a 60% route participation rate last week. That was his highest since week one and we already mentioned Arizona you know they funnel the ball away from top two receivers so that would benefit Jennings once again uh runs a lot running a lot of routes on the inside these days and the Cardinals 23rd in DVOA against non number one and number two receivers so looks like Jennings is continuing to play uh most of the meaningful receiver snaps over McLeod and that makes sense because they really like Jennings for his blocking. So McLeod is more, you know, they're still going to be able to get the ball to McLeod on the park turns and things like that. But Jennings is usually going to be on the field as that number three wide out. So uh, like Jennings as well. Always like Jennings as a dart throw call uh, always gets overlooked, but you know, he, he pops up, you know, every few games has a big game. Um, and one more thing with Keontae Ingram, just in season long formats, I was saying to stash him because, you know, he's a James Connor injury away. For being, yeah. you know, potential RB2. And it's James Conner we're talking about. You know, he's one of the more injury-prone starters out there. And if even if 
Connor stays healthy the rest of the season, Keontae could develop, you know, the Chase Edmonds role they don't have right now. So, um, you know, I think he's better than Eno Benjamin. So, um, you know, he's a guy I've been saying to stash in season-long leagues. One other guy I wanted to just mention and hear your thoughts, but it's Trey McBride, you know, with Zach Ertz out for the season now. While it's been a very disappointing season for McBride, he was the top tight end prospect to come out of the draft. You know, the the Cardinals took him in the second round, which I thought was bizarre because they already had Zach Ertz locked up. It kind of reminded me of when the Eagles took Dallas Goddard, which is kind of ironic because McBride <laughs> sort of gave me Dallas Goddard vibes at Colorado State. So he's been off to a slow start, you know, 4.4% target rate uh, on his routes run this year. But, you know, rookie tight ends get off to slow start. So do you think he could bounce back and, um, you know, maybe have a big enough game here to to break the slate? I mean, certainly, yes, absolutely, because he will get the the usage. I have him projected for uh, nearly 90% of the snaps. So that's kind of sliding into that Ertz role. Remember, you only have the veteran Steven Anderson, and I assume they'll elevate Max Williams to be that third blocking tight end. But uh, he'll get the opportunity. Uh, obviously, he'll probably be last in the pecking order, but that's all you're looking for is snaps in, in this. But, and I think I do think for what it's worth, you know, for anyone in, in season one with that, I do think McBride has a better shot of producing than a guy like Jack Stoll, who ironically has taken over in <laughs> yeah. Philly because like I think what's going to happen with Stoll is, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Stoll, Calcaterra, and yeah. Tyree Jackson kind of splitting that receiving role because Stoll is still the blocking tight end, you know, more so. So uh, I think with McBride, you're kind of getting that potential for 90% of the routes, just like with Ertz. Whereas with, with with some other, some of these other guys, it's going to be split up. So uh, certainly, we do think uh, think McBride has has a lot of upside, and uh, I mean he'll probably be chalky. I, I would imagine. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, j- just being uh, kind of, but we'll see because you know they uh, sometimes they kind of price it where you uh, you know you know it's you don't want to go too much on a guy like that. But uh, yeah, I certainly think he has the uh, the upside. Uh, what are the luck rankings looking like in this one? Luck be a lady tonight. Uh, this one, it's it's pretty close again. Um, it's, you know, the 49ers rank 23rd. Cardinals are 18th. So they're they're both on the unluckier side of our luck rankings, but neither team is expected to, you know, regress going forward. They're, they're both about the same. So it's a differential of five. Um, so that, that doesn't really indicate a play on our end. Yeah, I mean, I think... I will say, you know, don't if if the Cardinals are starting Colt McCoy, don't count them out because yeah. we've seen this last year as well. You know, they think, oh, the Cardinals are Colt McCoy, that's going to be a, a loss, and then they go blow somebody out that they're that they're better than. So, and I believe Colt McCoy won a game against the Niners uh, as the backup for Arizona at one point. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's yep. it's definitely not week, a situation. Week, week nine last year, yeah, yeah. I think well, that was against Trey Lance, I believe. But yeah, either yeah. way. It's I wouldn't count them out. So, you know, we mentioned Ingram. We love him. But if we want to go contrarian, uh, James Conner, you know, there's always that upside that he does get another, you know, 90 percent. Uh, it's a tough yeah. matchup. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's not out of the question that the Cardinals actually do have a positive game script here. I should point that out. And uh, we do have a fullback on this one, a guy that I, I oh, bet yeah. against. On the last uh, last time, was it? Yeah, last week he was on the primetime slate. Ended up going with him under one and a half catches. Uh, hopefully they hang that line again. But uh, <laughs> Kyle Usechek, uh, I do think 
he's obviously in the upper echelon of fullbacks uh, that we talk about for DFS if you're just looking for a dart throw touchdown. But uh, one thing to kind of note is his routes run, because they're getting McCaffrey and Mitchell so involved, his routes have kind of been cut in half, uh, you know, uh, which I think is going to continue going forward. Yeah, that's a great point. You made that point last week. I think that's why you're on the under. But um, typically, you know, he's uh, elite, probably the top fullback um, for these slates. You know, he's running around 45 to 50 percent of the time, uh, but they've never really had a pass catching back the caliber of Christian McCaffrey. So that certainly is cutting in his production. So um, he's he's probably going to be a little bit more popular than he should be. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he's a great play here. Yeah. Especially I mean, the potential game script. He'll be on the field. That's the thing. So they could always do something where, like, I think he still has that touchdown potential because they could, you know, they've they've run so many plays mm-hmm. where he's just a blocker and he's kind of H back moving around, but he just ends up blocking that. If they wanted to do a play action, I think they could get him kind of wide open. But, you know, just down to down, yeah, I don't think he's going to get you those, like, you know, three, four catch games that he was mm-hmm. do, getting getting you for a while yeah. uh, this season uh, even. So, yeah. You know, we're, we're doing our best to, to keep the fullback position alive and thriving. That is going to wrap it up for the Week 11 Fantasy Flex Night Shift podcast. For more great fantasy content from Sean and I, be sure to check out our full player projections episode out now over on the Action Network podcast channel and our fantasy preview episode right here on the Fantasy Flex podcast channel. Also, check out the news and waivers episode of Fantasy Flex every Monday from Samantha Praviti and Mike Triplett. ActionNetwork.com for all of our NFL rankings and projections, fantasy betting content, all that good stuff as well as fantasylabs.com for our DFS tools and models. You can follow Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker and me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this money. Money.